Well, thanks, band, for that great time of worship. Now, just before we come around the word, I just want to encourage you uh, about online giving. We had a board meeting this week, and our uh, giving has been really good uh, for the month of April and May. So thank you that if you've gone from giving cash on a Sunday to online giving, I know that's been a transition for some, but... uh, being faithful in your giving has really helped the church uh, through the last couple of months. So uh, bless you, and I hope that uh, if you have a need in the area of finances personally or uh, or needing work, uh, please let us know so that we can pray for you uh, on this journey as well. So we are not going to take communion uh, online together today, but I encourage you um, after the service, as a family, just to, to take communion together and, and for someone to lead that and, and just share that special time together as a family. So if you could yeah, have your ambulance prepared and, and once the service finishes today, you could do that together. So let's pray as we come around the word. Father, we thank you that today as we open your word, Lord, we thank you that you always speak to us, Lord, that Your mercies are new every morning and we can receive something new, something fresh every time, even if we've read a a passage dozens of times. And we just pray that our hearts are open and receptive. So Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us through this sermon time today in a powerful, powerful way. Amen. So last week, Pastor Andy, he talked about... uh, The Good Samaritan out of Luke chapter 10. And um, that was a great sermon, and he really uh, appreciated that. When Jesus was using that that parable as an example of the Good Samaritan, he was really responding to a question from one of the people there who said, well, who is my neighbour? Trying to justify who, who they should reach out to. Who is my neighbour? So Jesus tells this parable about the Good Samaritan and that he stepped in and and did a a great work where other more religious people um, went on the other side of the road and ignored the whole situation. So Jesus really emphasised that it's important to do good works, to help people, to be be loving your neighbour as a very good and important thing. Now as we go through the the harmony of the Gospels this year. There's a real big advantage in systematically working your way through the Gospels uh, because what it does is you get to the parts of the Gospels that maybe are not so popular, maybe uh, are not so uplifting, but it gives us an opportunity to address some topics that Jesus addressed. And things like love, but also things that aren't so popular like money or sin or attitudes. So as we continue uh, through the harmony of the Gospels, we're going to go back to the same chapter that Andy preached from last week, Luke chapter 10. But we're going to go to the last four or five verses that finishes that chapter off. And there's going to be a switch from focusing on doing good works to spending time with Jesus. 
So join with me as we read Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made and she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you were worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Often I've read this passage, and to be honest, I've felt that Martha's got a pretty raw deal. Have you ever been in a situation where there's just something that had to be done and you're getting in there and you're doing all the work while other people are standing around and talking or not helping and, and you just feel like, come on everyone, let's get into this, let's do this, let's get it done. And there's been times when I've looked at that scripture and I thought, well, hang on, Martha's doing all the work and nobody's helping her, no wonder she's frustrated. But when you look at the context of this story, it depends on the situation and the purpose of what is actually happening here. Yes, Martha is busy. She's preparing, she's being hospitable, she's doing good, and all those things are important. But when your primary focus is doing good, we can subtly forget that it has replaced what our primary focus should be, and that is actually loving Jesus. So if you think back to what is the greatest command, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That needs to be our primary focus. And that's what was happening here with Mary. But Martha was focusing on doing the good things. The second greatest commandment is to love thy neighbour as thyself. And often in doing that, in loving our neighbour, it, it's about doing good things, it's about helping people, um, just exactly what the Good Samaritan story was last week. And all those things are good, but actually that's secondary to loving Jesus. And in this situation, you've got Martha busy doing good works and preparation, busy and doing good things, but the time for that was before, about getting all that ready before. So when Jesus came, she could just focus in on sitting at his feet, just like her sister Mary was doing. You see, Mary chose in that time to have Jesus there to just love him, to just sit at his feet, to just focus and concentrate on him and listen to what he was saying and just to take that on board. Mary chose what was better in that situation. And we find that Martha's decision to focus in on the task rather than spending time with Jesus actually caused her to have a bad attitude. This month we've been talking about attitudes of the heart. So what was Martha's attitude in all this? Well, because she felt like she was doing all the work and no one was helping, her sister wasn't helping, 
all of a sudden she began to get frustrated with Mary. And it was like she was getting frustrated with Jesus too. Jesus, you need to tell her to come and help me. It's not fair. And in all of that, her, her attitude towards herself, that this is just not fair. I'm lumped with all this stuff. So you can see the flow and effect. Yet it's so easy for us to fall into that trap. We can be so busy doing good works, doing good things, helping people, and all those things are important. But if that subtly becomes our main focus and loving Jesus and having an intimate relationship with him and spending time with him and listening to him and, and, and gleaning from the word and, and just allowing him to speak into our lives, if that becomes secondary to doing good things, then we can easily fall into that trap of getting it round the wrong way. You know, good works are important, but they flow out of a relationship with Jesus. And over this past couple of months, you know, for some people, you've actually had a bit more time to maybe stop, reset, refocus. And I think maybe, hopefully, we have learned a lesson in the importance of just relationship and time with Jesus and let everything else to flow out of that. So today I want to encourage you that it's actually Pentecost Sunday. And if we just take those principles and those things we just talked about, the difference between Martha and Mary, the priorities that Martha had of doing good works compared to the priorities that Mary had of intimacy and relationship and spending time with Jesus. If you take those principles now and we transfer them into the day of Pentecost, it's a similar sort of thing. Because I want to talk to you now that about the relationship that, that we understand and we have with Jesus also is the relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with us. You know, when people make a decision to become a believer, a Christian, for Jesus to come to their life, the word tells us that the Holy Spirit indwells us. He indwells every believer. He leads us. He guides us. He teaches us. He directs us into all righteousness. But also beyond that, the Holy Spirit wants to come and baptize us. And that's what the day of Pentecost is all about. So we're going to move forward into the book of Acts. Chapter 1. And what had happened here is it's after Jesus' death and resurrection. And he's come back and, and for a period of 40 days he's, he appears to the disciples and, and to a group of 500 and, and various different appearances. And then he's talking with his disciples in verse 4. And he says this. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing about this is that when Jesus was on the earth, he could only be in one place at one time, minister 
into one situation at a time. But when he left this earth, he has sent the Holy Spirit who can indwell in every believer wherever they are. And statistics tell us there's 2.4 billion uh, believers or people that profess that they are Christian around the world. And he indwells in each and every one of those people. So the Holy Spirit is not limited by time and space as Jesus was when he was here in his earthly body. So each and every one of us have this opportunity to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, for him to lead us and guide us. And he's saying to his disciples, I want you to go and to wait because the Holy Spirit is coming and he's going to baptise you. So we fast forward a little bit and we find that that we come to the day of Pentecost and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting with anticipation because in verse 8 Jesus went on to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he, he, he just told them enough to, to sort of get, get their appetite wet that there was an anticipation of something was coming and they probably didn't even understand what it was all about, but Jesus had promised them that it was coming. So we move to chapter 2 of Acts. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, 120 of them in the upper room. And suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Just a few thoughts about the day of Pentecost and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you get baptised in the Holy Spirit, it actually gives you the power to be his witnesses. And it's like you can just sense when someone goes from maybe just a, an average Christian walk to getting an understanding and a revelation of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's like this, it's just this, this power, this boldness that kicks in and, and you can actually see a difference and a change. Peter was a great example of that. You know, he'd gone from, from not long before that of denying Christ and, and just being so downtrodden of what he had done and to the day of Pentecost where he stands up and begins to preach with great boldness. There was a definite change in Peter because of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the power that it brought and the boldness to be his witness. Another thought is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's a supernatural encounter to be filled, but it's also an ongoing thing to be refilled. And as I look back over my childhood and my teenage years and growing up, you know what, when I had a baptism in the Holy Spirit at a young age, it was a supernatural encounter that I never forgot. But there's been these instances along the way where, where you just have these incredible um, refreshings or refillings or supernatural encounters with God and the Holy Spirit. And those sort of things, it's like it just 
It strengthens your faith. And you, you can think back to those and think, wow, God is a supernatural God. I remember the time that just his presence just overwhelmed and that encounter. And that'll be something that I'll never ever forget. So I just want to encourage you that when you have a supernatural encounter and you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not just a one-off thing. It's a thing that can happen over and over again as, as you're refreshed and refilled. One of the evidences of being baptised in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And I want to encourage you that speaking in tongues is such a powerful tool. You know, Paul talked about that he spoke in tongues more than, than anybody. And to speak in tongues is it's speaking to God in a heavenly language. And, and we don't understand what it is. And there's times where it, it can just be just just flow out like a river, and other times where it's just a determination to do that to speak in tongues. But there's power in that. You're communicating a heavenly language, and often there's times when you don't know what to pray. Speak in tongues. It's a very powerful thing. I remember one time I was I was with a person, and um, we we were just in a car traveling actually, and and this person just had this. This horrible situation happened in their life and it was just like they were in total despair and they were so anxious about what had happened and and they just began to scream and it, and it was like, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? And the first instinct was to just speak in tongues over this person and as I spoke in tongues over this person, the whole thing just broke off their life and, and the screaming stopped and they calmed down instantly. So I want you to understand there is power in speaking in tongues. And it's something that as Christians that are baptised with the Holy Spirit, it's just a powerful tool that he has given us. As we come to, to the end of our sermon today, I really want to encourage you about what we've been talking about today. It's important to do good works and to help people, just like, like with Martha and Mary in that story. But Jesus and spending time in intimacy with him needs to be priority. That needs to be number one. And then the good works flow out of that. We don't want good works and to replace the time that we should be spending with the Lord. But then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you see, he wants that same intimate relationship with us. He indwells with us. He is there to, to lead and guide you in every situation in your life. But he also wants to baptise you in the power of the Holy Spirit so you can be his witnesses, so that you can have that boldness, so that you can be speaking in tongues and, and taking advantage of all those tools that he's given you against the works of the enemy and seeing people set free. As we jump down to the end of chapter 2 that chapter finishes like this and it's, it's just an amazing end as Peter had got up being filled with the Holy Spirit and began to preach with a great boldness like he'd never had before in verse 37 it says when the people heard this they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all 
whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow, how amazing is that? A guy that had denied Christ, a guy that was downtrodden and he had an encounter and was baptised in the Holy Spirit and power and boldness and it changed his life and he got up under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit and preached that day and 3,000 were added. Wow. What an amazing scene. So I want to encourage you that if you are a believer today, and you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you. God's plan for you is that you are refilled, and you are refilled, and you are overflowing, and you understand the power to speak in tongues and continue to nurture and develop that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you're a believer and you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you that... In just a few moments, we're going to sing a song and we're going to close. Why not just simply ask the Holy Spirit to come and to meet with you and to touch you and to fill you right where you are. If you're sitting on a couch in your lounge room, the Holy Spirit can come and he can touch you. And when he does, don't clam up. Just begin to open your mouth and praise God. And often just the gift of tongues will just flow out. It'll just be like a cork's release and just like a river begins to flow. And if you're watching today and you've perhaps you're on a spiritual journey, you've never made that decision to follow Christ, then the first step is just to offer your life to him, to ask him to come in, to forgive your sin, to give you a fresh start, to give you hope and a purpose. And once you, you get started on that journey, then the gift of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so many other things that God is just waiting to bestow upon you to bless you and help you on your faith journey. Also, I want to encourage you that after the service, that it's a time to just have family communion together. But then at 3 o'clock today, there's a very special thing going to happen. This is possibly the largest prayer meeting in the history of the ACC movement in Australia. They have asked pastors and leaders to come together for Pentecost Sunday right around Australia and, and to join in on a special Zoom prayer meeting where they're expecting 3,000 people to be involved, to get together and to pray for another great outpouring of the Spirit. So just like in the book of Acts, when Peter preached, 3,000 got saved. They are praying and hoping that today at 3 p.m., 3,000 pastors and leaders around our country will also be praying for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come and to sweep across our nation and the nations of the world to see a great end-time harvest and a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these last days. So I encourage you... If even if you just want to be part of that, you can be, at 3 o'clock, be praying along those lines for God to do something amazing. So God bless you. As we sing this last song, I really encourage you to just reach out to the Holy Spirit 
and inviting him to come and touch you in your lounge room where you are. So God bless you.